Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gay with God. I want to tell you, first off, that I'm really excited to let you know that the Gay with God podcast will be recorded live. Now, you won't get to see me live, but it will be a live recording at the Wild Goose Festival this year on Friday, September 3rd at 10 o'clock in the Goose Cast tent now if you've never been to this event you really need to look this up google this thing i had to and it's really worth the time to look at some of the old speakers and some of the other things they've got going on there so myself along with my guest dr robin will be leading off a full two days of amazing podcasters click the link on the gay with god show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com to see dr robin's bio and all the podcasters performers and speakers who will be at the wild goose festival this year and if you're going to the goose you can join the fun by being part of my audience during the live taping, and I would love to see you there. If not this year, check it out for next year because it really is a fabulous event, and um, they are very COVID um, ready. We had to post our vaccination card. We had to give them information so they could verify, and we have to have a verification letter before we can get into the festival. So it's going to be as safe as it can be, and I'm stocking up on all my special vitamins. And uh, yes, I've been vaccinated, and I sure do wish I had that booster before I'm going to go, but it's this weekend, and I don't think that's going to happen. So anyway, <laughs> I am I am vaxxed up, and I am vitamined up, and we'll be fine, and I'm excited. So Check it out. And later I'll be able to upload that live taping uh, to this podcast and you'll be able to hear it anyway. So besides that exciting news, I have some more excitement for you. So I'm going to welcome back an ordained minister that I truly, truly care very, very much about. And um, Mark Sandlin is the Presbyterian minister at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Greensboro, North Carolina. He is a co-founder of the Christian Left. He also serves as the president and co-executive director of progressivechristianity.org. Mark was awarded the Associated Church Press's Award of Excellence. I'm not surprised. His work has been published on the Huff Huffington Post, Sojourners, Time, and even on the Richard Dawkins Foundation. He's been featured on PBS's Religion and Ethics News Weekly and NPR's The Story with Dick Gordon. And back in the day, he was a returning guest on yes. one of my little previous radio talk show hosts, uh, talk shows called Second Chances. And I um, I've known Mark for years just this way. And he even came to a wine tasting at my house and we had great fun. <laughs> So, um, so I've known Mark for several years and, and, and he's a, um, a guy that I respect and, uh, he's a guy that, um, I think that you'll learn a lot from. So welcome, Mark. Thank welcome. you, Mitch. It's great to be back with you. This is fun. <laughs> I know. Looking forward to it. We always have a good time and, and, and you are so great. You are so great to do this always. So, so I think maybe my first question would be as a minister, yeah. how did you not drink the Kool-Aid? <laughs> And by Kool-Aid, <laughs> I'm talking about so many ministers. It's like, especially from the church that yeah. I grew up in and, and many of our guests grew up in, apparently, as we hear their stories, is that homosexuality is a sin. It's condemned by God. It's in black mm. and white. And mm. how can you say anything different unless you're just willing it to be true? So did you ever kind of drink the Kool-Aid and then you had a transformation or did you never do well, that? Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know that I drank the Kool-Aid. It was more that it was the pool that I was swimming in. Okay. It, uh, you know, because I, I, I don't know that I was ever indoctrinated of like that being gay is is wrong. And it's, but I also was never uh, educated about any sexuality other 
than than straight. So um, when I would begin to be exposed to anything other than that, it was more that was confusing, that I'd never been given any real information about what this is. And so something about it, I think at that age felt off, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly grew up in a church. Uh, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church through about late middle school. And it certainly, and it was there in your town, actually. And uh, it uh, it certainly, looking back, I'm 100% sure that uh, they were undoubtedly preaching against anyone uh, who, who, who fit in the LGBTQ community at all. Um, I'm sure they were at, at my, at that age, it wasn't really ringing in my ears one way or the other, but I do, it clearly impacted me, even though no one was in my ear saying, Oh, you have to hate gay folks. Oh, gay folks are sinners or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it clearly impacted me because going into high school, I was, I, I promise you, I'm getting to the, the point here. I, I was, I was, I was a drum major. Uh, and I didn't want to be, I was actually, I, I was a percussionist and I love playing percussion. And I was the youngest one at the school who got to play tritones coming into high school, which is a big deal if you're a percussionist. But then the uh, band director told me he wanted me to be drum major. And he's really kind of told me I was going to be and was uh-huh. sending me to drum major camp. Well, I remember thinking, well, only, only, only gay guys are drum majors. And, and I, I, I don't know where I bought this piece of information from, but yeah, right. I, re, I remember clearly thinking that in early high school. And I remember going to, to drum major camp with great intrepidation, like, like almost like, I, I think maybe I was frightened that someone was going to try to convert me or, uh-huh. and maybe that's because I watched all these Christians constantly trying to convert people in a different way. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But so it was definitely there, but it wasn't, I, I don't remember anyone in my life, like mm-hmm. preaching it to me, uh-huh. whether it was family or, or the church, but there was clearly something about my environment that fed me that there was something wrong with anyone who wasn't straight. Uh-huh. That's interesting because I, I remember when I went to my first MCC church in Greensboro mm-hmm. Um and it was at the Unitarian Church off of Freeman yeah. Mill Road. And you go down this little road and it's like a church in the woods. And <laughs> the, the thing that was in my head was that, oh, my gosh, I'm going down here in the woods with gay people. And I had that same kind of dread of, oh, my gosh. And somewhere, yeah. you know, we get that information that yeah. homosexuals are predators. They're mm-hmm. going <laughs> to have sex with you. They're pedophiles. Right. Yeah. None of this is is true but um you know in the big i'm, I'm not i'm not saying yeah. absolute because we all have our things of course yeah. but um but that trepidation of oh my gosh something mm-hmm. bad could happen to me and and that's so sad that we both really had is. that somehow mm-hmm. passed through uh yeah. the people either talking or something that was done on television you know i always remember that yeah. that any any show back in the day that had a gay person in it, they were either a transsexual that was a ex, you know, some kind of murderer or some sort of a sexual offender. I mean, that's all yeah, you saw. And so that is true. We kind of got it honest, didn't we? I guess. Yeah, we did. But you know, a part of me though does look back and say, if I had been been provided with some counter information, mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't have been the it wouldn't have been the pool I was swimming in. 
Like I would have meant, I don't want to be in this pool. I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't even at that, in in that day and age, there wasn't really any counter information out there. It was, Mm -hmm. it was in very unusual environments where children were being said, told, look, this whole thing about gay being a sin or somehow is wrong or somehow are, are only predators is, is a bunch of junk. There's nothing true about it. If I'd have just been provided some of that information I, and I say, I, but I, I'm, tr- I'm, I think it's for all of us who may uh-huh. have come at, felt that if we'd have just had someone in our lives providing some counter information to what society was, was kind of subtly pushing on us. Absolutely. Um, I think it would have made a big difference. Absolutely. I was contacted by a reporter um, a few weeks ago that wanted to get some LGBTQ teachers to talk about getting LGBT curriculum into the sex education curriculum. Hmm. And and I said, well, I will be really surprised. I said, I'll reach out to some context, but I'll be really (laughs) surprised if we're going to get an active teacher who is actively in a system to talk about this, you know, in the paper. And I was right. Uh, And I was (laughs) For sure. Because, you know, there's that, you know, uh, morality clause and we're not going to bring any embarrassment. And there's so many things that can happen to a gay person that becomes overtly out. We were only taught about the boys and the girls Mm -hmm. and that that's separate and and about, you know, a little bit of the commingling, just enough to scare you. And, you know, (laughs) none of it. That's so true. None of it was um, was for me. You know, none of it really right. was relevant for me as as I continued yeah. to go into my my adulthood. But, you know, that would have been the time, you know, to start to give people a little mm-hmm. bit of peace about their bodies and be able to have yeah. them ask questions. So Absolutely. so were there any messages from your family growing up about homosexuality? Not not really. Um, and, and nothing that I can remember specifically. Um, you know, it, it, there were certainly like sitcoms that would have characters that were clearly supposed to be gay, even though they mm-hmm. might not talk about it. Uh, and, I, I, you know, the family would laugh at whatever was going on, which uh, frequently was really the joke. Joke was about how the person was acting, which is kind of a horrible thing to make a joke of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was probably some really subtle things like that that were going on that didn't even feel wrong to me. And I was yeah. this weird kid who had this high sense of of, of righteousness. Things needed to be right and people needed to be treated right and things, you know, we should all be better people and good good to each other. Yeah. I was that I was that kid, but I I don't remember ever thinking, well, why are we laughing at the way the person's acting? Yeah. um, Yeah. It was just part of of growing up with your family. And that's what they did. Yeah, my dad told jokes. We all laughed at it because it was my dad. Even if I didn't get it, you You laughed at his jokes. (laughs) The day I didn't laugh at the jokes is the day that we started having a little bit of problem. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's very interesting. So then tell me with, you know, with the the subtle, subtle indoctrination that you had, Mm -hmm. uh, when did you start to to put it together that you wanted to really figure out what these verses were and how, Mm -hmm. how it's relevant. When did that shift happen? Well, it started, I I always tried to stay in the church and I always tried to be active in the church. And, and the more I went to church and even moved out of the Southern Baptist and into Presbyterian and Methodist, a little bit of Lutheran, uh, the messages that I was hearing were still, while, while they might not have been directly um, anti-homosexual or anything like that, 
they were still kind of, there was a lot of judgment going on about whatever and a lot of guilt. Uh, I should feel guilty and I need to, I need to be forgiven and, and I need to be, you know, and, and I, it, there was still this subtle hint of, if you don't, if you're not the right person, you're going to go to the wrong place kind of thing. And something just fell off to me. And ultimately in looking into it, I wasn't ready to let go of Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I've never felt that, but I have been desperately disappointed in what I was experiencing. And because of that, I started looking into liberation theology. I started looking into um, all kinds of social justice. And that's when Christianity finally started making sense to me was when these became more central in how I understood the teachings of Jesus. So um, I think that's the foundation where me looking into the clobber verses ended up happening uh, because of that foundation, I ended up leaving uh, a business job and going back in, into school, going to divinity school. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, I was at a very uh, open, accepting um, divinity school, Wake Forest University School of Divinity, when it was in its second year, um, two of my good friends uh, happened to be a gay guy and a lesbian at the school in my class. We had the best conversations. It was eye-opening. It was brilliant and amazing folks. And so pretty much straight out of divinity school, I was like, okay, I, th- that's we're starting to hear more and more political ramp up about um, anti-LGBTQ stuff and how, the, you know, all the, the, the rights that were being taken away and, mm-hmm. and, um, so that's when I started saying, I, this is important to me. Um, I want to know a lot more about this so that I am I'm knowledgeable and able to have real conversations with folks if they really want to talk about what the Bible says about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad that that not everybody gets that, you know, one that they don't <laughs> get the urge to dig deeper and mm-hmm. and one that they don't ever do anything with it, you know. So right. uh, all of us listening here today, probably if you are gay, you know that the clobber verses are the ones that they use to clobber us over the head to send us to hell. Um, and and <laughs> my family members had said that I'm a bomb. You're an abomination to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, well, then, because it's in the Bible. OK, well, so there's a lot in the Bible. <laughs> and yeah. I, we can always you know, pick and choose how we interpret things. But uh, let's let's dig into some of that and tell us. Sure. First, tell tell me when you look at one of these verses that seems so clear and yeah. and it's in black and white and you and you are it says you're an abomination to your Lord and Savior right. Jesus Christ. How how do you go deeper? I mean, how do you take a verse like that and figure out if it's really that valid? Yeah, the way it's written. Um, well, well, for me, I went to divinity school. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> So everybody sign up for divinity school, but that's going to help a lot. We're going to, we're going to listen to Mark, (laughs) Uh, but they really did. They get, you know, they gave me the tools that I needed to understand how to contextualize and understand and to look at uh, what might have originally been meant. I mean, because we, we learned that just about every verse It's not just about these clobber verses. We've, we, we learned that these are translations of original language and frequently words are very difficult to directly translate. Um, And so what I started doing was going in behind it and saying, let's find out one, let's look at the larger story that it's planted in. In some cases also saying, um, well, let's see what the Bible itself says about 
these verses because in a couple of the in one case in particular, the Bible says very clearly what the sin of Sodom was, and it's not what we keep saying it is. And so, particularly for these literalists, that's my favorite go-to because it's like, okay, if you're going to read it literally, let me show you three other, four other places where it literally tells you what the sin was, and it was about lacking hospitality. It was a, it was about put uh, uh, rejecting the sojourners. It was, it was about marginalizing people. All the stuff that you're doing to LGBTQ folks. So right now, I mean, right now, is, people. Exactly. So it's kind of like the perfect one to go to. Yes. Um, but then the rest of them, you could get at the language that gets interpreted as homosexual. Um, because honestly, hey, if you're a lesbian, you're kind of off the hook because this only mentions lesbians once in the entire Bible, and it's not even saying what people think it says. So See, that goes for- back to where probably God is a woman. That's and- right. <laughs> and we're not going to tell on ourselves. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but in many of the places where it says homosexual, I mean, that that is a phrase and a term and an understanding that has not been around that long in the terms of, of the when the Bible was written. And so translating is that is typically very wrong gives you one of those red lights should go off and go okay they didn't have that word back then so what's really going on so you get out and you you look at what the original language says and frequently what you find out is that it's it's almost always about two things and it has nothing very little to do with sex it has to do with one person putting power over another person in one way or the other. So oppressing them in some way. Once again, that's interesting. People use these verses to oppress LGBTQ folk. But when you get into the original language, it turns out one of the issues it's trying to say is you shouldn't use your power to oppress someone in one way or another. In in some of these ways, it's sexually. um, And it's also about being something other than you are. Paul in particular, the words that he used there tend to be about going against, in that language, what God created you to be, who God Mm -hmm. created you to be. Mm -hmm. And that's for me yet another one of those massive ironies is that folks are trying to use this verse to scare people out of of, uh, being LGBTQ in any way, when the verse is really about, you're supposed to encourage them to be who they are. Like, that's what this is really about. The the sin, the abomination is denying who you are. It is not being who you were created to be. Yeah. Um, so and I, can, I, and I was going to say, and I can tell you that on the side of, of, you know, my side, the whole time in my life that I was trying not to be gay, mm. what that did to me. And I know for all, you know, so many of my brothers and sisters is that, you know, it creates diversion. You have to divert your, your authenticity. If you're not going to claim it, you've got to divert it. And so we get into, you know, sometimes drug abuse or eating disorders or anxiety or so many other things to smoke screen and cover up our truth. And it takes years and years to unpack all that. And I think that's such an important part of this whole understanding and story and the way that people are using these very small number. Uh, for me, it's only seven clobber verses. Some of the ones that they try to put in there, I think you're just working hard to make it more than seven. Uh, because that doesn't mean that's not about anything. Um, but, but, that, but understanding what trying to force someone to deny who they are does mm-hmm. to their life, mm-hmm. that once you understand that, that's such an so antithetical to the teachings of Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
mm. who, who was trying to make people's help people have better lives and, mm. and uh, be more inclusive. And so I think that's it just as much as getting in behind the verses and figure out what's going on, um, knowing what happens and how it impacts people when it's used as a weapon, like folks are using it, I think it's equally important in understanding that that can't be of or from God. Right. Um, if it is hurting people, if it's causing them to, to, to feel like they have to, to find something to replace it, whether it's drugs or whether it's depression or uh, eating disorders, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, if you using it that way, if, if that's what is the outcome is, I, I have a hard time believing that it was used in love. I have a hard time believing that it is of love, which means I have a hard time believing it's from God. Well, and I can tell you that the conversations I've had with, you know, previous friends and family, there was no love coming from that. I mean, they try to disguise it as love. I'm trying to save you. I love you. I'm trying to save you. But there was, I didn't feel the love. (laughs) I have felt love from other people. That wasn't it. That's clearly not it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the other thing about the Bible verses, I used to do a lot uh, of podcasts and, and radio shows about these particular ones and my breakdown of it, my take on them. And I've gotten to the point, I just don't do that much anymore because uh-huh. my bigger picture now is the reality is the Bible is not interested in that question. So uh-huh. why are we spending so much time uh-huh. dealing with these stupid interpretations <laughs> when overall the entire Bible really is genuinely, I would say, disinterested in that question? Uh-huh. Uh, if it were that important, Jesus would have said something about it. I love that. I love that. That's a statement that I just love. If it was that important, Jesus would have said something about it. And he said, absolutely, Zippo. Not one thing. Diddly squat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right. So um, so while we're talking about these verses, is that article that you wrote still available for people? And where can it they is. find that? Because he, he uh, wrote this great article. It's one of the first things I ever read from him. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, it is all kinds of places. You can find it at my website, Rev Mark Sandlin, R-E-V Mark, S-A-N-D-L-I-N uh, dot com. It's there. It's, but you also can just go to Google and search clobbering biblical gay bashing and it will <laughs> pop up. And the it was interpreted, interpreted in like seven or eight different languages. It, you just it's all over the place. I, I lost control of it at some point. Uh, I know that it had like 2 million re- shares and reads at some point. Wow. And then, it, then it just went more nuts. And I don't, I don't know where it is all, all over the place. And I don't know what the numbers would be at this point. <laughs> Here's what I do know. Much more important than those numbers. I've had three different people over the course of these 15 some years since I've written it, who've contacted me and said they read it and decided not to kill themselves. God bless you. Those numbers. That's all that matters right there. That's all that matters. And that's exactly why I did. I'm doing this podcast is because I want to bring, I want to bring people the validity that you can be gay with God and you do not have to kill yourself or choose. Exactly. And I, I, I admire you for doing it and being, so persistent with it too. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's needed and necessary. So thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, welcome. not just from, not just from me, but from all these folks that, that benefit yeah. from it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and I appreciate that because that's, I just had to do it. I just, it's yeah, one of those things it. that you just had to do it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, living in Ashburn, North Carolina. Yep. <laughs> hey, you even said it right. Are you a native? I am not. Native? I am I'm not. Just saying, you said it. Like I'm just say saying, it. as a native of Ashburn, it sounded like you you knew what you were doing there. I've been here a long time. <laughs> a long fair time. enough. Fair enough. All right. So, so what verses do you want to talk about today? Let's start with just the one we did with Sodom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the, the way that, I, I mean, I think that that's the one historically that's been used the most has been yes. the most damaging. Uh, and, and it's, it, it's, it is the one that's the easiest to defend. It's kind of what I, I, I love about it. It's so wonderful that, that the folks who are trying to make the Bible say that it, that it, that it hates LGBTQ folk, um, it's so wonderful that they've chosen the verse that's the easiest. You know, <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. Oh, really? Is that what you got from that story? That's interesting. Because <laughs> if you had read your Bible a little bit further, you would have found all these lovely instances where it makes it very clear that what was going on there was that that more than anything it was a lot lack of hospitality. I mean, um, hospitality, particularly for the Hebrew folks was the most important thing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that the story gets told has some sexual elements to it because that's how it gets misinterpreted. But the real point in the whole story was that there were, there were folks in need of hospitality mm-hmm. and they weren't offered it. Not, not at all. And because of it, they were judged sinful uh, to the point that Abraham's even arguing to try to save as many of them as he can at some point, you know? Um, but it's one of the things I think that frustrates me. And, and so one is great because it's easy to defend, but two, it frustrates me because it's not, a, it's so obviously not about it and it gets used over and over again. And it's the same thing about all the other verses that are out there. Um, they aren't about what we're trying to make them to be. And as we said just a few minutes ago, there's so mm-hmm. few of them. I don't understand how we keep coming back to us and, and, and always feel like we have to dedicate so much time. And I don't just mean here and us talking. Yes. I mean, yes. just in general, yes. the folks who are, 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 are putting all this time and energy into hurting other people over mm-hmm. six or seven verses that can pretty, pretty quickly and easily be demonstrated to be not about what they want it to be about Mm -hmm. when the rest of the Bible is telling us things we should be focusing on Mm -hmm. who we should be. And it turns out that those things are the antithesis of being against LGBTQ folks. It's against marginalizing folks It's against taking rights away and making some folks less equal than others. So I just get really frustrated. I get very frustrated over that, that we the ones of us who get that, that, that those verses just aren't about what they want the other folks want them to be about, mm-hmm. that we still have not a lot of choice but getting s- sucked up into this discussion over and over again when we should be uh, focusing more on the biblical precepts that are about in, in making life better for everyone, which, yeah. which in itself I mean, most of the lessons of Jesus negate all these negative interpretations of these clobber verses. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I, guess, I guess, like I said, it's been a while since I've looked at these verses. Yeah. And that's okay because you're right. You're right that, 
that all of these verses get taken out of context, but yes. they don't take the verses that are surrounding them. Okay. They'll throw in a verse that says homosexuality, but yet they'll ignore, you know, adultery or they'll ignore you know, right. divorce. All, all kinds ignore, of stuff. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. If you go to Leviticus now, you'll see all sorts of stuff that we're right. doing today that we're not supposed the, to be doing, but the, the Bible is much more concerned about us eating shrimp than about whether about someone's someone's personal sexual life, much yes. more interesting. Yes. Than that. And, and even though, you know, the, the new Testament, you know, the new law is supposed to like kind of get rid of all that moral code to us, to a sense, maybe not completely, but, you know, still Jesus didn't say anything about it. And, you know, oh. I, I went to, I went, I got my BA in theology because I was mm-hmm. going to follow some kind of dusty road to Damascus thinking that would get all me right. to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and I know from, for a fact that, that. And I know I wasn't going to be a minister because, you know, I was a woman, so I didn't get to take all those <laughs> courses, but, um, and maybe they taught them to context, to, to contextualize, but I don't hear it in any of the sermons that I grew up in. So I didn't hear anybody breaking it down. I didn't hear anybody talking about the bigger story. I didn't hear anybody talking about, you know, what mm. the Bible says in other places. It was always Sodom and Gomorrah. There's the sin. We didn't jump forward into the new Testament to see the word hospitality. I saw it later when I was at the MCC church that came out, but I'm just wondering how do so many Bible schools get this wrong? How, how do they not learn how to break these verses down? Well, I, I think, you know, most Bible schools really, you don't see, let me put it this way. You don't see a lot of progressive churches with Bible schools. Well, there it is. Because. All right. That's a big part of it. But but it also has to do with with approach to the Bible. Mm. Um, in, in many ways, in conservative Christianity, the Bible is so high and holy that people are almost afraid of it. Mm-hmm. They don't dig in the way that uh, a progressive might and, and don't question it the way that a progressive mm-hmm. might. And they're more likely to feel... Um, perfectly fine with just listening to what the preacher says. Like, I don't need to read it closely because the preacher knows more about it than I do. And this is a high and holy book. And so I should leave it to the people who, you know, that kind of thing. And so what you end up with is an organization where those with the most power pretty much can cherry pick and, and read into anything they want. They can say, here's a lesson I would like to teach. Where's a verse that backs that up? Uh-huh. And then they go and they can teach that that's what that verse means. And they're just not going to be that many people who are going to bother digging in and reading what happened before that verse, what happened after that verse, seeing if there's uh, in between different uh, versions of the Bible or are, are, is any word used different ways, which might mean it was a hard word to interpret. Might, what else might it might mean? Uh, so I think a lot of it has to do with just approach to the Bible. Is it high and holy and, and to, to be put on a pedestal so you kind of don't want to question it too much? Or is it an essential part of our spiritual heritage that tells us the story of our ancestors that has to be interpreted it for, through a couple of languages that, that is, is important enough that it deserves you to take it seriously and to dig into it and try to understand what's really going on and contextualize it in the setting it was in, and the language it's being used, and the stories it's being told in? Well said. Well said. And, and you're absolutely right. The Bible school that I went to was not progressive. And I loved it. I loved it. 
back yeah. in the day. I loved oh, yeah. it. I was right where I wanted to be. And Absolutely. I and I still love the people from there. But I also know that it was a very narrow vision of of the scripture. And you're right that no one questioned. You know, my Hebrew friend Charles yeah. Britton, um, you know, he I mean, they're all in the synagogue. I mean, there's questions and they debate things and there's, you know, you talk about things and, um, you know, could it be this? Well, could it be that? Well, I think it's this. Well, you know, <laughs> long conversations. Um, yeah. But we didn't do any of that. Nobody raised their hand and questioned anything in church. And um, yeah. So, so with your, your power of social justice and, and I mean, you, you are outspoken. You are a very outspoken minister. Yeah, you know, um, how I appreciate that. that. <laughs> well, and I love it. I love that about you. But how has that how has that been throughout your career? Has there been problems with you uh, being so? <laughs> oh, I, I have a little inside information. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got ran off from a church. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you call, I recall that you were there, then you weren't there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, and I'm I was not asking for specifics. I just I want no, people to understand that when no. a minister is authentic and leads from his heart and he looks at the scriptures and he has things to back up and you speak yeah. out, it's not always pretty. No, it's not. So I, w- I was at a a church that that most people would have defined as mainline, okay. semi-traditional, not necessarily hardcore conservative, but leaning that way. Mm-hmm. Um and long story short, they were in a bad position. And six or seven years later, I'd brought in kind of my perspective. Uh, I, I wasn't being massively outspoken, but about halfway through my time with them, I did decide if I'm not saying what I really think, then why am I doing this? Uh-huh. You know, um, and I'm not judging other ministers who are more of I'm going to be with the people I am with and try to push some edges quietly and gently and try to expand because that's one way of changing things. That's just not who I was. Um, and so ultimately what happened was uh, a small group as the church was getting healthier and healthier, we were growing younger and younger. We had um, c- couples, we had uh, a, a few LGBTQ folks who were regulars. We had uh, folks who were uh, in, in mixed marriages. We had folks who were recently uh, homeless and, and one that was homeless that was kind of coming and seeing us. Anyway, it was, a, it was an environment that was making folks un, uncomfortable. Uh, and and they uh, four of the largest families said that they were going, as long as I was there, they were going to stop giving to the church. Uh, and they did. And... Ooh. We were feeding more people out of our weekly food pantry than we had in worship on Sunday. Wow. And I had just gotten them back to a balanced budget. They had been on a, a, a deficit budget for 15, 20 years. And if that, those four families weren't going to contribute, the church was going to have to close its doors. There, there wasn't any reserves. They'd been spending into the reserves for years and years and years. Uh. And so, uh, yeah, I left. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'd rather see those families eat because these were families that the existing like uh, urban ministries and stuff had, uh, they'd already used what they could mm-hmm. use to them. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of the safety net. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we weren't there, we weren't going to be feeding them. So I just, I told our session, which is our governing board, that I didn't have any choice, that I couldn't go through the two or three month removal process. That's the right thing to do. Um, I just needed to walk away so that my salary wasn't killing their budgets so that now that that family's not giving so that these families can eat. It was pretty yeah. simple. 
Because I knew one way or the other, I was going to feed my family. I mean, I, I I can make it work. I was fortunate enough in life that I had gotten a decent education, you know, lots of, of advantages. So there, I, I needed to just trust in those and make sure that that this this pantry that we'd set up was able to continue and, and, and feed folks. Oh, and so for a year and a half, I didn't go to a church. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just kind of sat back and said, you know, uh, I need to assess w- what I'm going to do. And, and it was lovely because it allowed me to speak out even more on all kinds of social justice issues, including LGBTQ stuff. So it was kind of a gift. It was difficult making uh, a, a salary with a family um, mm-hmm. uh, that was good enough for, 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 for uh, supporting us when, when I was mostly making everything online one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it was also a, a, a very positive time for me because I realized that, um, the, the speaking out as I had started doing really was who I was as minister and that it wasn't going to work for me any other way. Yeah. And so I, I knew that, uh, there might not be ever be a, a, a local church that I would match up with, but that I was going to keep speaking out. Mm-hmm. And you found a home. I did. It was the most wonderful thing. They contacted me out of the blue and uh, it's a very progressive church. They've had progressive ministers since back in the sixties and seventies. Wow. I mean, it's just got this wonderful history here and I, I get to, to, to uh, talk about the things that are interesting to me. I'm getting ready to do, I'm in a mainline Protestant church. I am, I am putting together uh, a three or four Sunday series on queer theology. Oh, wow. How, do, how often does that happen? <laughs> Never. In a mainline <laughs> Protestant. Right. So oh I, I, I've, I, it's, a, it's a lesson in following your, your, who you are, you know, mm-hmm. and we go back to that earlier conversation that in, in Romans, the abomination was doing something that wasn't natural. But that didn't mean natural in terms of there's only one way for sex to happen. It means natural in terms of who you are, living in and, and, and being proud of who you are. And that was kind of a real life lesson to me that, you know, I was trying to navigate in a church without being fully me. And it turns out that it was a year and a half of being fully me where I end up having a church contact me saying, we'd, we'd and, and it being such a great fit. There's, there's a lesson of how this works, you know, mm-hmm. uh, be who you are. Um, that, that the mess that the clobber verse in Romans is, is about is there. It's the exact opposite as it always is in these verses. This is about being who you are. This, that's what the natural that, that is in right. Romans is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, ser- it, it serves in more, many, many ways, not just in what our particular sexual uh, orientation is or, uh, sexual expression is or anything like that. It's just, that's an essential element of life that I think the Bible is actually trying to teach us, particularly Jesus and even Paul saying what makes life right is being who you really are. Mm-hmm. Authenticity is the key. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Speak, speak it up. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do want to say I was fortunate enough that I was began being outspoken when my kids were middle schoolish. Um, and then while they were in late middle school, so it was when I was able to start writing and being completely outspoken. And in the long run, 
I, you know, I was able to have conversations with them that I wasn't having when I grew up. Mm-hmm. And because of it, my eldest uh, is trans male now and it had a amazing, beautiful, accepting, smooth transition where the family was there, was like excited and positive. Um, and, and, and Cadence taught us as well, you know, lots of insights that we wouldn't have gained without Cadence saying that here's some of the realities. Here's some of the ways that you talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it makes me go back to our, me, us talking about uh, how important it is early in life for kids to have someone talking to them about a counter message to all these anti-LGBTQ messages that we see out there all too prevalently. Yeah. Um, um, Caden is the happiest I have ever seen him in his life, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, 27 years old now. So uh, well into the beginning adulthood and establishing himself, but mm-hmm. as happy as I've ever seen. Living in to who he really is Mm. being authentic about who he was created as. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And that's, that's the whole point is that he had a family that supported Mm. him, you know, through the transition, he had, he had all of this support and that's the key. I mean, the people who aren't making it are the ones who don't have that support and they've just had all of this, abomination shoved down their throat. And yep. you know, even myself, you know, that it comes down to whether or not you want to, to live a lie or get out of the life, you know, it's like mm. too hard. It's once yeah. you figure it out, it's too hard to know, you know, how to live that life and hide once. Yeah. You, and we all do it from time to time. We all hide. Oh, yep. Um, but it's just too hard. And, and it gets to the point where if I'm going to go to hell, and that's what I told my first therapist, if I'm, I'm, I'm here to find out if I'm, if I'm gay, because <laughs> if I am, I know that I'm going to hell wow. and I'm not going to wait. Oh, and she wow. just looked at me and I said, I can't, I said, I'm not that kind of, I'm all, I'm an all in kind of girl. So <laughs> I, I love I it. do it. If I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to go now and I'll just take care yeah. of it. And she said, so you're suicidal. And I said, no, cause I don't know if I'm gay. And she said, yeah, I hate. <laughs> oh, wow. So you know exactly what to say, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you true. know, I didn't know it, but oh, I knew yeah. me well enough to know that yeah. if it came down to it and I revealed that truth i didn't think that i could i could make it i just didn't think mm-hmm. i could mm-hmm. but um you know so but that's enough that's for the memoir we'll go there into you that. go there you go <laughs> we'll go into the <laughs> memoir but, um, <laughs> i love it but love but it's it. so painful and i'm so glad for for caden and i'm glad that you were there and that that it all organically happened you know and, and yeah. not that it was easy all the way i mean there, oh definitely was not not easy society's um, not going to let it be easy right now no not yeah. at all which not makes all. it all the more important that the folk people the people that are close to you in life are there for you and supportive and encouraging and happy for you i mean mm-hmm. happy yeah yeah and even you know people will say well you can always go get support somewhere else but i can tell you that when it's not your immediate family even though mom you know the moms are hugging you and other people's family will adopt you that sense of loss from that organic family that you had your birth family denies yeah. you or your birth family won't have anything to do with you that that's a hole that just doesn't mend oh, 
it just yeah. doesn't mend. You learn to live right. things around it and mm-hmm. you still can be happy, but there, there's still that little thing that you just don't, you know, completely sew up, I think. Yeah. Well, I think you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the relationship and what you thought they may have seen you as Mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, the, the, the belief in their commitment to you, it's really, you're suffering a death because that idea is dead. You realize that it's not, it's not a real thing anymore. And that psychologically and chemically in our brains, it is a real loss and you don't, you can't, you can't end it. You can navigate it better. You can understand it more, but it's always going to be a real thing that's missing that was yeah. once at least in some way there. Right. And it'll never be back most likely. Yeah. Because yeah. E- even if it, you heal that relationship, you still will have that gap during that relationship mm-hmm. where there was that period where your understanding of who you were in that relationship was lost for a while. Yeah. And you couldn't trust them to be there for you during that, yeah. that critical time. And that's the, exactly. the trust factor people don't think about, but you've got to be able to trust that basic mm-hmm. thing. Trust the people that you were born to. And, yeah. you know, for lots of reasons, people deal with that. Not, not just being well, gay, but for lots of reasons, if you can't trust that birth family to keep you safe and to keep you well and to love you throughout mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a trust issue. Oh, it definitely hmm. is. Hmm. You are so wise. I don't know. I, I think I think I've been experienced. I've I've been exposed to enough uh, uh, life, and uh, really, I was born with an innate caring for folks. I've just always been the guy, and and I, and I kind of there's been times that I've been frustrated by that, uh, but ultimately I'm really happy about it because I, I, it, it is in talking with folks who are hurting. Mm-hmm. It's talking with folks who need someone to support them that I that I that I'm exposed to this this way of understanding life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's very honest. It comes from honest places. Um, just it's, it's, it's being with people where they are, mm-hmm. you know, it just yeah. is. Yeah. So the, the four part queerology, um, is this going to be like in your sermons or is this like a oh, Bible yeah. study? So this is right. From be the my pulpit. Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be from the pulpit. Uh, I, and we do a live broadcast. Okay. And, and our broadcast is viewed by anywhere between five and 25,000 people over the course of a week. So we're going to be getting it out there in front of a lot of folks. That's Uh, awesome. And is it also taped that people who miss it can go back and watch it? Yep. The live broadcast is on uh, Facebook. It's on multiple sites on Facebook and on our YouTube, the uh, Presbyterian church of the covenants, YouTube. Um, and once it's live broadcast uh, on Facebook, it's available almost immediately. And on YouTube, it takes half an hour or so, and then it's available there. But uh, yeah, those will be up. I haven't quite figured out the dates on it, but I know it's going to be in the next month, a month and a half that I'm going to do that. Well, let me let me know. Shoot me a, okay. a, a message when that's coming up, and I'll, I'll let be the folks to. know here at the Gay With God podcast, because we definitely want to, to let everybody know about that. Absolutely. So, be glad to. So before we end today is I have a final question that I'll ask okay. you, but is there anything else that, that you want to say and put out there that you haven't said yet? Anything that, that you um, not off sure. the top of my head, just, just to make sure hey, outside of LGBTQ issues, outside of uh, uh, race issues, outside of all that, my message is just give a crap about people, you know, <laughs> Just do it. I mean, how 
like care about people. That's yeah. the bottom line. This world will be a better place for all of us and for our kids if we could all just learn to look at other people and care about them, not feel like we're in competition with them, not feel like we've got to be better in some way, not feel like they're after us. Look at them and care about them because yeah. we are all worthy of love. Mm. Yes. And I and I think that that I mean, that's, that's beautiful. And that could have been the answer to my final question, but we'll try anyway. And I think a lot of people allow the fear to get in the way, like Christians oh, yeah. are fearful. They'll go to hell if they love us. So yeah. they have to hate us so that they're hating the sin. And, right. you know, it's all based in fear because they don't have this other knowledge behind them. And then we fear Christians because we know that they're judging us. And then, you know, the radicals we fear because they might kill us just for being who we are. So, you know, all of this fear is not allowing the love to come in. And love yeah. is reason. You know, love, love heals. And we just don't allow that to happen. Oh, absolutely. But the final question that I, I wanted to ask you is, and, and I think you've stated it, but there may be another answer you want to, to use that. What would be the message to the gay community that people need to hear about not just the scriptures, but just in general? What would you want the message to be for this community when it comes to religion, God? Just that the majority of churches are wrong. <laughs> that simple. The majority of churches are wrong about gay folks, about LGBTQ folks, um, it, it comes out of, as you were just saying, it comes out of a place of fear, of misunderstanding, of, of, of decades and of, of indoctrinization. Um, but there are some out there that are, are, are a bit of a light. Um, and I can promise you they are worth finding. Uh -huh. uh, those communities are exceptional communities, regardless of it being a church. They're just the, 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 the church communities that get that, mm -hmm. that, that understand the importance of loving everyone and truly accepting people for exactly who they are. You will not find a better community to be a part of and to grow in. And then you get to grow spiritually as well. So mm -hmm. um, I guess that would be, be yeah. the message. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So I'll be putting my links to, to you and to everything that's about you <laughs> so people it. can find you <laughs> and you'll let me know when the queerology sermons are coming up. Cause I, I definitely want to be able to listen to that. Um, right. And I want to thank you, Mark, always for your integrity and your, your caring and your compassion. Uh, I always, um, know that I can listen to you and, and feel welcomed and, and embraced. And I thank you so very much for that truly means a lot, Midge. I really, I appreciate it. And thanks. Thanks for having me here today. It's just like we said, it's always fun when we get together. It's always uh, a <laughs> insightful and lots of laughs on, on top of it. So you can't, right. beat that. can't beat that. Yeah. A little bit of medicine with a whole lot of laughter. Yeah, yeah it's good. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And I want to thank you guys as listeners for coming back each week, supporting and sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Mark, I'll have them on the uh, Gay With God show page. And you can get that again at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you're liking this podcast please go and you know 
give us a little love on a review, write something up because they just love it when you review things. So if you're questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community. And if you feel like it, check us out on Facebook. I have a Gay With God group there and you can join us there as well. Take care, everybody. See you next week.